Good morning, New Life Fellowship. Happy 20th anniversary. This is a huge celebration, guys. This is a really awesome stuff. But depending on who you ask, we actually had our first service in 1996 in March. According to this book, uh, which has a chapter about the founding of New Life in it, uh, we, we started in 96. So we feel the liberty to still celebrate the 20th, but it doesn't work in marriage. So you can't just forget about your anniversary, then, you know, it doesn't work, guys. Uh, I, my name is Nathan Detweiler. I'm the senior pastor of the church at this time. You'll be hearing from some of our other pastors later on. If you're visiting with us, we have these connect cards on the back round tables with the flowers. We'd love to hear from you, see if we can pray for you. And we have a gift for you uh, if you're new and with a coffee cup and stuff at the Welcome Center. As we start the service, the whole point of this thing is to honor God and what he's done and lift him up, not lift up any one person, but to see just the arc of the things God has done over the years. And let me tell you, going through this process of looking into the history and seeing, talking to the previous pastors and seeing what God has done has been very eye-opening, that God has done consistently very similar things throughout the years, and we believe uh, that he has more yet to do uh, in the coming days in line with what he's already done. This verse in Lamentations 3 is our call to worship. It says, The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We've had great times. We've had hard times. We've had everything that you can imagine. The thing that's been in common in all of that is God's great faithfulness to us. His loving kindness, his mercy, his compassion for each of us as individuals and, and, and for us as a church. He's been so good to us. Let's worship him for all he's done and all he will yet do. Really good to see everybody here this morning. I see, I see, uh, you know, the majority of people here are part of this church now, but I see some faces from uh, way back when. So thank you so much for being here and, and just honoring what God has done in this church over the years. But we all know who the real heroes are, right? They're, they're what you're sitting on, these burgundy chairs, right? They've been supporting this church for 20-plus years, and uh, they're beautiful. And, and, you know, I don't know who chose burgundy, but we've been burgundy for a long time. It's pretty awesome. That's something that will never change unless we change it. Uh, but we thought about selling the chairs, you know, as a fundraiser. It'd be kind of funny. Get little nameplates on these chairs. and You know, like those churches with the nameplates on the pews? Kind of funny. Sorry, those chairs are for this family. You know? Little church joke, but anyway. So glad you're here. Uh, we have a, an amazing uh, video presentation that uh, Pastor Corey put together uh, just of the history of this church. And I'd like to take this moment to share this with you. New Life uh, was commissioned, if I remember correctly, in February of 1996. It was about that time that uh, at Pine Knolls, a number of people were coming uh, to, uh, a number of people from Saratoga were coming to Pine Knolls here. And we understood that that was kind of out of their normal traffic pattern because people from Saratoga generally don't travel up the Northway to Southlands Falls for church on Sunday. The people who were coming to Pine Knolls from Saratoga, they really were positioned to make an impact in their community. We saw these families as being difference makers. Many of them were business leaders. Uh, many of them had formed long-standing relationships with their neighbors. They were involved in the school system and so on and so forth. And so we knew that if they were witnessing or sharing their faith with their friends or their family in Saratoga, that it was gonna be a push to get those, their friends and their family to drive up to Pine Knolls. And so we wanted to plant a church in Saratoga uh, just to make it so much more easier for them to be able to invite their friends and their families who don't know Christ to explore the claims of Christ in the context of a local congregation. It's amazing to see where God has taken um, new life. I mean, from the, uh, where it started, where it birthed with uh, pastor believing that it was uh, needed down in uh, Saratoga, a bunch of people that decided to come down here. There was no really place we had, so we found a place in the mall, which was a strip mall at the time. Uh, Wilton Mall wasn't the mall it is now, it was a strip mall that we took over a place called Service Merchandise, which was uh, uh, 
place that sold all different types of things. And we uh, used that for a while, about a year, I think, and uh, made it work for our worship services, our, our classrooms and everything. Then we moved to another store, which was James Way, and how we had to reconstruct that and make that work and put up walls and have classrooms and, and, and set up the worship there. And then that whole mall came down and we ended up going to New Horizons on Saturday nights and we became a Saturday night church. Sharing the building with them and set up and take down every Saturday night, we really um, longed for our own building. God opened up an area right down the road from there and uh, it was amazing how, what he did and what is here today is a blessing from him. Um, even to the fact that uh, we were able to purchase the land that we were able to support some of the land by some of the dirt that came out of it would help go back into the paying of the, of the land. And how we brought all the people together, all of the different people that were needed from every facet so that they would be able to construct what we see today, what we're walking in today. One of the things that I've always loved with New Life is the presence of God here. I mean, you can sense the Spirit of God here. I know people have come in to visit and stuff, and they said there's, there's a love here. Through all the transitions, we've had some hard times, we've had some good times, we've had a lot of good times. But through all the transitions, God's joy has always been present, and His love has always been present. When you serve and you leave on Sunday, you just feel so filled with the Holy Spirit. And I am so thankful for the people in New Life that have really stepped up. There are some people in this church that have made a huge commitment to the children's ministry, have taught a year or more at a time, and then all the other people that just filled in when we needed them. One of the ways I really believe God put me for the children's ministry was he would always come alongside me when we went through maybe a time where I needed some inspiration. God would provide a person to inspire me. Um, my teachers I know would pray for me and I would pray for them and we would all pray for the kids and we really saw God work in these kids lives. We would actually keep track of kids that gave their life to Christ and almost all of them did over growing up through this uh, growing up to the church and I saw friendships develop through the kids and everything like that. So I'm really thankful that God, whenever I needed him, whether it be a call from Bo or a new teacher stepping up or a, an amazing commitment from a teacher that we already had, he always provided for the children at New Life. A wonderful example of how this church really cares about children and I really feel like it was culminated a few weeks ago when the children led the whole church service and I am so thankful I was here that week and the whole time I was almost crying in my chair and afterwards Linda Thomas who's also been working in the children's ministry the whole way through came up to me and said can you believe what just happened and we were both like saying we were almost crying the whole time with joy it was just it was just fantastic and uh, it just shows how much new life really cares about the children in this church. So 15 or 20 years ago, we sponsored through Compassion International a child in Uganda called Kutosi Stephens. And the children would go home and do chores and bring their quarters and dollars to sponsor Kutosi every month. Kutosi would either get a good meal, he would learn about Christ, or medical treatment, whatever was needed in Uganda. They would write letters to Kutosi, and Kutosi would write letters first back. He would pray for the kids. He prayed for me when I broke my ankle. We prayed for him, and God has really worked in his life. Now, Kutosi is a nursing school. He's a wonderful Christian man, and it's just an amazing blessing. I remember um, the first time I heard about missions was uh, I was at a service and there was a missionary from Bosnia uh, named Kathy Ikes and she was selling uh, handcrafts in the back of the church and I was introduced to her by our pastor's wife. As time went on, I think that our pastor at the time, Bo, had a real passion for missions and um, through his relationship uh, with the missionaries from Bosnia, they set up the first trip for 2004. Um, I wasn't on that team. But I remember when that team came back, um, they had uh, come up and talked about their time. One young girl um, talked about how she had heard from the Holy Spirit. And that really made an impression on my heart. The following year, Bo was preaching, and he mentioned that they were going to take applications for the next trip to Bosnia. And uh, my, my heart was like pounding out of my chest because I felt like I really heard God speak that I was supposed to be on that team. 
Um, I, you know, whispered over to my husband, Ed, that, you know, I felt like God was calling me to be on that team. And uh, at the time, I wasn't really very happy about it because he didn't think Bosnia was a safe place to go to. But I remember my words to him were like, well, you think God would call me to go there and then not protect me if I went, uh, if, he's, if he's asking me to do that. I really had no clue uh, why God was calling me to Bosnia. I knew he was, but I really didn't know what I had to offer the Bosnians or what, what I would be doing there. Um, thankfully, Kathy Eichus, the missionary there, she had set up a lot of time for us to just to get to know women. And I remember, you know, that was the thing that on my heart when I left there, that the women in Bosnia were just, they melted my heart. They just wanted to feed their children. They wanted their children to have it better than they had, you know, go to school. And they didn't have the means like we do to get a good job and do that. A lot of them were widows from the war or even had husbands that just couldn't find jobs. Shortly after I got back, God really opened the doors for me to get involved with the Bosnian Handcraft Project. The Bosnian Handcraft Project was started by a woman named Seika, and um, Seika was one of the women that really um, touched my heart while I was in Bosnia because uh, Seika had lost her son in the war, but really listened to God when he impressed upon her uh, to bring other women together to knit and crochet and just to heal from the war. And Seika, you know, is one of those people that um, you know, started up this project, but really just started it so that she could bring other women to Christ. So she was a great example for me. We've always been a community that is defined by these words, upward, inward, outward. It must be all three, it must be in that order. So connecting with God, letting him transform us, and then going outward. And, I, and as far as I'm concerned, that's something that I've seen consistently over the years at New Life from the time when I was sort of passively a part of the church at the time I started engaging to now even as a as senior pastor. Um, we've always been a church that tries to connect to God, tries to connect to the Holy Spirit and do and facilitate things uh, to connect to Him. I think about Jubilee and if you remember those services, um, Pastor Bo had this vision of us uh, getting together and expecting great things from God and having faith for, for healing and faith for for hearing from God and, and just believing in the grace of God that allows us to draw near to Him. And we just saw amazing things happen in those Jubilee services. We saw people physically healed. Uh, we saw people just encountering God and, and engaging with Him in that, that deep, um, spirit-filled way. There's also that piece of, of uh, tr inner transformation. And to me, the small groups have been the place where I've been really transformed in other people as well. Um, places where you find true community, places where uh, we can talk about the things that are really on our hearts and the issues we're really dealing with. I think about the outward things. We have the Bosnia uh, Bonanza that we did. Those were just crazy events. And Mary Jo Kowaleski, obviously, she's done awesome stuff over the years, but she'd do those silent auctions and the raffles, and we had like country line dancing and, and just all these really fun things. It was like an outreach to the community while at the same time you know, raising money for, for our Bosnia trips and our Cambodia trips. So those were very memorable things. There's such a, a desire to reach out in this church, and it's, a, it's really nothing that you have to convince people to do, they want to do, and it's because of the work that God's done in their hearts. One of the things that's always characterized this church from the time I started attending to the present as senior pastor is just the sheer amount of people coming to Christ who have no experience of Jesus in their background, and being baptized, being discipled, uh, bringing their friends, bringing their families, and it's one of those things that's such a joy to see. And I can remember so many awesome uh, events in our history, baptisms. I remember a time when we had a huge child dedication with tons of families uh, on the stage. And uh, all those kids now grown up and, and disciples themselves. I remember a very special child dedication uh, when, when a baby who we thought uh, was going to not make it through the birthing process was miraculously restored and just the emotion of dedicating that child. Uh, just so much amazing things the Spirit has done and, uh, and, and we're still seeing him do to this day. It's just such an encouragement. Looking forward to our future, it's very bright in my mind. You know, God has done amazing things in our past. The memories are there, but not only the memories, but the, the things he's done have been like anchor points for us uh, that have propelled us forward. And, and going forward, I see us continuing to to connect with God, 
upward, to be transformed by God inward, and then going outward to our community, uh, being that Christ-centered Acts 1-8 uh, church that, uh, that makes it all about Jesus, it's all about the grace of God, and then we just want to share that with each other and with the world uh, so that all people might come to know Jesus. for 16 years, since 2001, actually came to Christ in this church when we were over in the uh, Lighthouse Baptist building on Perry Road, and, um, and Pastor Bo discipled me and helped me through a lot of different things and, and uh, trained me for the ministry, and, you know, it's amazing what God has done in my life through this church. It means so much to me, and all, and all these, these pictures and videos are just, what, what, what a trip, huh? But in all these things, upward, inward, outward, connecting with God, letting him transform us and going outward to serve our community as Christ has served us. We have a video from our district superintendent, David Lynn, in the Northeast District for our denomination. And then uh, my friend David Murphy is going to come forward and share a word with us, a word of encouragement. So enjoy this. Just want to take a moment to express my congratulations and blessings on this great anniversary of the church in Saratoga Springs. Great stuff has been going on there over the years and uh, really just excited to see what the future might be. I noticed recently that that region is one of the growingest areas in upstate New York. And although it is possible to miss the blessing, it looks to me like you're right in the middle of it. And good stuff's going on and I am looking forward to see good stuff in the future. So. Have a great time. Sorry I couldn't be with you, but blessings upon you, my friend. Well, good morning. I am so pleased to be here. I've had the privilege of uh, pastoring in the Alliance. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty new to the Alliance, about 27 years. But as I talk with people, there are people who have been in the Alliance far longer than I have. Uh, I was able to be pastor at the Vestal Church for almost 25 years. And uh, just before I left, we had celebrated 100 years as a church in that community. And I had been their pastor for a quarter of that time, which makes me sound old. I, I look a little bit older, but I'm really young at heart. And I want you to know that. I just play an older guy in real life, and, uh, but the Lord has been blessing. I was here to visit with you in January of 2016. And that's the last time I had the opportunity to be with you. So some of you I do recognize. And for all of you being like 20 years old, you look pretty good. And so that's an amazing thing. I want to share with you this morning part of a letter of a church planter that wrote to one of his churches at about the 10-year mark and wanted to remind them of some things that had marked them as followers of Jesus, but certainly also as a church. And he, he began to share some of his own personal uh, experience and how their life had affected his own life. And so if you have your Bibles, your phone, wherever you might keep them, and you would turn to Philippians chapter 1, I think I want to share from probably a person who's considered the ultimate church planter, the Apostle Paul, and as he writes to the church at Philippi and talks to them about this relationship that they have had over these last 10 years. And so reading in verse 1 of chapter 1, we read, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul immediately starts like he does a lot of his letters in this sense of reminding them that he has given himself and Timothy has given himself to follow Jesus Christ and to do what Christ asked. There's nothing that is going to prevent them from being, in a sense, servants of Jesus. They've given themselves over. Jesus, whatever you want us to do, that is what we are going to do. To do, And so they see Jesus to be the divine master. And, and, he, and he records here in the letter, he refers to everybody at the church at Philippi as saints. And sometimes we have in our, in our mind saints to be these great people who have died before us. And we read books about them and all these other things. But he's talking about these people who have a spiritual union with Jesus Christ. 
And so in a sense, he's saying, you have been set apart. You have been placed in Christ. And, and although this isn't emphasizing personal holiness per se, it's important. He's saying, this is what has happened. When Christ redeemed you, you have been brought into relationship with him, and your status now is one who has been made right in Jesus, not because of what you have done or the merits that you have tried to accomplish. It's because of what Christ has given to us, what God has given to us, this righteousness that is now ours. And so he's able to say to us, this familiar greeting. Actually, this greeting became a Christian greeting because Paul brings two words together, a Greek word and a Hebrew word, and he says, grace to you and peace. And so from the very beginning, he reminds them it is God's grace, God's favor that all of us need every day of our life. He reminds this church at Philippi, I'm talking about God's grace here. This grace, this unmerited favor, this something you didn't deserve that God has given to you. Live in that grace every moment of every day. Let me tell you, folks, grace is not for when you come into relationship with Jesus and it's over. Grace is for every moment of every day of your life. And then he moves on and he says, and also peace. Understanding that grace is active in our life every moment of every day gives us this confidence as Christ's church, as followers of Jesus, to live our lives even when things are difficult. And I will tell you, as I look around the auditorium today, that there are many of us who have experienced difficulties at different levels, but I will tell you, all of us at some point, at some time, face turmoil, especially in our Christian life, especially in America, when it's very easy to be pulled back into the everyday process of seeking things for ourselves or our own comfort, we, we battle that turmoil in our Christian life. And Paul says, I want to remind you, grace and peace to you, this grace that's active in your life will give you the confidence that when the world tries to pull you away, when, when illness or, or, or when, when a, a family relationships break up or whether it's addictions, whatever you might be facing as a Christian, whatever turmoil, it's that grace that brings you that deep peace in your soul, that you are Jesus's and he is yours. Amen? And before I get into my met, this is introduction, by the way. This is introduction because when he begins to talk to this young church, 10-year-old church, he begins to move on and say, you know what? The blessings of God, both Father and Jesus Christ, now rest upon you. It's a good thing to say to a young church of 10 years or a young church of 20 years. Father, as we look into the word this morning, as we consider what Paul is saying to the church at Philippi, Holy Spirit, I'm trusting you uh, to speak to us. But I know as I look into the word here today and I share the word, you have promised that your word is powerful. It will speak to us. May our hearts be open for the sake of Jesus. Amen. Paul goes into talking with this young church about joy and rejoicing. He says in verse 3, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, Paul frequently begins his letters with a sense of thanksgiving and prayer. But here specifically... He said he's praying for the church at Philippi with a joy, and this joy springs from their partnership in the gospel. His joy is prompted by these memories of his time with the church at Philippi and how they have influenced their region with the gospel over the last 10 years. And so what caused Paul the deepest joy was this partnership in the gospel. As a matter of fact, when you think of this word partnership, it is a term, kononia, and it expresses this two-sided relationship. You can't miss this. This is very important. Paul is saying something very deep in the minds of the church at Philippi. He says this partnership includes the believer's, first of all, particip participation in the life of God. And so Paul is saying to this young church, continue to participate in the life of God. That simply means continue to know the Scriptures, continue to know the God of Scriptures, continue in prayer, continue in speaking the words of truth around you, participate in that life of God, the, the life that God has won for you. Live in that life. 
Christian, it is so important to understand this because too often we try to live our life in our own strength and in our own effort, and that's when turmoil really begins to overwhelm us. He says, live in that life of God. But then he also says this term means it's also participating in a common faith with one another. No Christian was ever called to live on their own. They need the church. I'm looking around here and I'm saying, you have the privilege of living life, not by yourself, but with Christ's church. Let me tell you something. You want to experience grace? You'll experience grace in the fellowship. You want to experience peace in your heart when turmoil comes? It will be experienced in the life of the fellowship. That's why we have one another. And I'm so glad that you've had each other, some of you, for 20 years. Maybe some of you a little bit shorter than that. But Paul is saying this is what it means to participate, participate together. We live life with God, and we live life with one another. And this assumes, I love what was said in the video earlier, this assumes a sense of love in the community, a sense of love in the community. And so this was the evidence of the Philippians sharing, sharing in the gospel with Paul from the very beginning, 10 years before. But then he moves on to talk about the fact that we are partakers of grace. Look at verse 6. I'm going to say a lot of stuff this morning. I've already said a lot of stuff. I'm going pretty quick because they gave me a time limit. I'm trying to do a 50-minute message in 25 minutes. Maybe not really. But I don't want you to miss this verse, verse 6. And I am sure of this. Thank you, Paul, because sometimes I'm not. Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. See, Paul is sure about God's commitment to the church at Philippi. Sometimes the church at Philippi might not have been so confident in Christ's commitment and God's commitment because every church, whether you're 10 years old, whether you're 20 years old, whether you're 100 years old, every church, every congregation sometimes begins to doubt this sense of God's presence behind what is happening in their local church. And Paul says, I am sure of this. I am sure of this church at Philippi of God's commitment to you as you continue to be his church in that region. And so the foundation for spiritual growth is recognizing both individually and corporately at church that God who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. You are on journey with God. You are on journey with the Lord Jesus Christ to accomplish what they have determined to accomplish through your fellowship in this region. Do you understand that? Boy, it didn't sound like you understood that. I'm an interactive guy. If you don't start interacting with me, the sermon goes longer. That's just a threat, okay? But I'm telling you, you as a church cannot accomplish anything apart from what God has already determined to accomplish through you. You're just saying, God, where are you working? We're going to come alongside of you, and we're going to be part of that work. That's what he's asked you to do because God's doing great things in this region, and you are his instrument to accomplish those things. And Paul says, I'm confident. I'm confident, church at Philippi, that God's going to complete that work. I'm confident, church in, in, in Saratoga Springs, I am confident that God is going to bring that work to completion. So genuine spiritual progress as an individual, as a church body, is rooted in what God has done, saints, and what, God is do- and what God is doing right now and, and what God will do. And so God's faithfulness ensures that he will be with believers until Jesus' return. I-, I like to say this. Sometimes people say, how long do we have to work at this until Jesus is standing right in front of you and said, well done, well done. That's when you can stop. But you will have everything you need because God has promised that he's going to bring it to completion. You know, nothing in this life, nothing after death will prevent the successful accomplishment of God's good work in every Christian and in every body of believers. Well, he goes on in verse eight to, or 7 to say this. 
it is right for me to feel this way. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> He's kind of saying, you know, you might be thinking, hey, you're trying to pump us up. You know, it's our 10-year anniversary or here, 20-year anniversary. I'm supposed to come and encourage you. That was my, that was the only thing I was told. Dave, just come and encourage us. So like Paul, I'm going to say this. It is right for me to feel this way. I'm here rejoicing with you, and it's right for me to feel this way. I don't know why, but it's right for me to feel this way. And then Paul goes on to say, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace. We spoke about that. Both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness. How I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Again, Paul expresses his warm thoughts for the church at Philippi. But what he's saying is he's able to enjoy this relationship with them. First of all, because of the grace they share in Jesus Christ. Paul is able to celebrate and feel the way he feels because maybe he's not so much thinking at the church of Galatia, which had some problems. He's looking at Philippi and saying, you're doing pretty good. You're advancing the gospel, and so I can feel these, fe these warm feelings about you as the church. But something very particular in here, remember, Paul's in prison. And culturally, this would be a reason to separate yourself. Because if someone's in prison, you know, it, it is the right thing culturally to say, well, we're not going to have any association with someone who's in prison. But Paul said, Church of Philippi, you didn't do that. You have supported me. You have prayed for me. You have sent me uh, uh, people to minister to me. Th this did not become an embarrassment to you. You continued on in that grace. And so they're standing in solidarity with Paul and with the gospel. And this was no doubt an encouragement to him. And so Paul says, I have these feelings for you. Because when circumstances changed, you didn't abandon me. And you didn't abandon the gospel. And so Paul's yearning for the church is not a human longing. You know, I pastored my church in Vestal for over 24 years, and I'll tell you this, I fell in love with people. By the way, when I took the church, I didn't take it because it was a Christian and Missionary Alliance church. And I know that I'm the assistant to the DS and all that. It's not about the alliance. Can I say that? It's not about the alliance. It's about the love you have for one another. And I fell in love with some people and stayed with them for almost 25 years. Paul's talking about this kind of love, the very affection of Christ Jesus. It's not just the love for one another. It's the fact that the indwelling Christ is producing the fruit of love in Paul's life, and, and the Spirit of God is producing love in our lives so that we desire the welfare and relationship, and we express the compassion that only comes from the indwelling Christ. Can I tell you a secret? That's not a secret because I tell a lot of churches this, but it's this. If a church learns what it is to live in that love and to exercise that love that only comes as a fruit from the Spirit of God, if they exercise that towards one another, you can survive so much. It's when love begins to wane that you see churches get mad at each other. It's when love begins to wane that people begin to say, I want my stuff more than your stuff. But whenever that love that is only born in you through the indwelling Christ and is brought out by the indwelling Holy Spirit, can any church celebrate 10 years or 20 years or even 100 years? And this is what Paul is saying. And so he finishes up this morning with saying a prayer for them. Look at verse 9. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so Paul prays that God would cause the virtue of love to abound more and more. Love is the fruit of the Spirit enables all of our other spiritual virtues, all of our other spiritual gifting to be exercised properly and with power. Without love. <laughs> and this is something you need to understand. Without love, no Christian, no church can ever be spiritually complete. It will never happen. 
And so there's no reason in this passage to assume that Paul is talking about this earthly love between, between one another. He's talking about this unrestricted love that, that continually demonstrates spiritual fruit in many different ways within the life of the church. Let me say, if, if you don't remember anything else I say this morning, try to remember this love, this love, this agape, this love that is born of the indwelling Christ, that is evidenced through uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. This love never reaches the saturation point. You will never come to a point and say, well, I'm about, I, I'm full up. I can't love anymore. There's no end to this kind of love. And so as you look at your community, as you look at your neighbors, and by the way, don't mistake being neighborly and nice to the person who lives next door to you to really being the person who loves them. Love goes well beyond. There's no saturation point. And so as you look at your community, as you can continue to grow as a church, as you do these events to reach people with the gospel of Jesus, love must be activated, this kind of love, because you can never do the ministry without it. And God will continue to stretch it. Oh, yeah, God, but I can't love that person, can I? Yeah, because it never reaches its saturation point. So Paul's reminding the church at Philippi, Philippi about this. As a matter of fact, he couples this expression, old discernment and knowledge, to say, you know, there's got to be some good moral perception and the practice of, of application of knowledge to the circumstances of life. And I just want to tell you this. Sometimes we do sloppy agape. And what I mean by sloppy agape is we say, oh, we just got to love everybody. God says use discernment. You need to know that loving people is not necessarily trying to say we need to overcome things that are bad, but we've got to be careful that we're not overcome by things that are good. Do you know what I mean by that? Very simply this. As the church, be cautious that you don't choose to accept what is good and to be involved in, with, with what is good if it begins to block what is best in the eyes of God. And sometimes we get there. You're 20 years old. Done with adolescence now, although knowing your pastor, well, that's a different story. But you should be beyond adolescence. Now. Sorry, Nate. Sorry, I just, I do love your pastor very much. But what I'm telling you, church, you're 20 years old now, and if you are not cautious, and if you are not investing in that love that comes from God, if you are not listening to him using, using spiritual discernment as you search the scriptures, knowing what is coming, you could settle for what is good and become ineffective because God wants you to do what is best when it comes to the gospel. And so I don't want you to come to your 100th anniversary and be a legacy church that says we just want to make sure everybody inside is comfortable but that you are constantly saying, it's not enough. It's not enough. We need to reach more. We need to go to new places. We need the gospel to be powerful in and through us. And so this knowledge, this discernment serves to direct our love so that it's biblically proper and always pure as we reach out to those around us. Paul says, approve what is excellent. Approve what is excellent. And we know that one day, as Paul says in his prayer, one day Christ is going to return. And our goal is to be found working. And that the conduct of the church that will receive Christ's commendation must be characterized by the fruit of righteousness. And let me tell you something. And you shared this in your testimony in the, the video. Transform lives show a different kind of living. And that's what Paul says. Church of Philippi, my prayer for you is that your life continually shows forth that righteousness, that different kind of life, that transformed life, so that now you look more like a person of the kingdom than you do a person of your culture. And that's what he's calling and reminding the church to be. Well, God has redeemed you. I trust God has redeemed you. <laughs> and through that redemption, he brings us into this posture of praise and this posture of rejoicing. 
And so the redeemed people, by the work of his son, are implanted with the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, I know this for a fact. Being indwelled by Christ and implanted by the Holy Spirit will, will, will produce in you person, will produce in you church this fruit of love and this fruit of righteousness that will begin to impact the people around you. And so as I close this morning, I'm going to do something crazy. I don't generally do this when I visit a church, and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, what is he going to do now? I'm going to ask you to stand up. And I hope I'm not violating any sensible thing in your church, but I want you either to put a hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. You can hold hands. But try to, you don't have to go across aisles and all that kind of stuff if you don't want to. But at least have someone next to you, either a hand on their shoulder, holding their hand, because I'm going to pray, and by, by just doing this, we're saying we're committed to this, Jesus. We're committed to this prayer. Are you ready? Let's pray together. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Amen. 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 You can be seated. Thank you so much, David. And, uh, I have other friends that are in ministry. They don't have the kind of support that we have from our denomination in our district office. Uh, David and, uh, and David Lynn in the office you saw in the video have, have been much more than just, uh, just a spiritual authority and covering for us, which they are very well. They've been friends. They have helped us so much, and I'm so thankful that he was able to come and share his heart with us and this encouragement from the Word. Thank you so much, David. Let's give him a hand, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now comes the real fun part. We're going to hear from some other, uh, some other very important people in the, in the history of the church. So stay tuned. Happy birthday, New Life Fellowship. This is Pastor Joel Smith, and I actually was the founding pastor of New Life Fellowship. And then a few years into planting the church, um, Bo Sanders came on our staff and became your second pastor after I moved on back down to Pennsylvania. Um, my, some of my memories of starting New Life Fellowship are uh, the fact that the Glens Falls Church, Pine Knolls Alliance, uh, gave us the core team to start the church and I was on the staff there for about six to eight months before planting the church and worked with Pastor Scott Borden who was great to work with, really enjoyed working with him, Steve Van Dixhorn, the whole staff up there. And uh, we started in the Saratoga Mall, which no longer exists. It's not on the face of this earth anymore, but maybe in a landfill somewhere. And um, we had some great times there. The church grew from 60 people to close to 400 people before the mall was raised, and then we had to move on from there. But we met at three different locations in the mall. Um, first, we met right across from Taco Bell. And the manager of Taco Bell liked us, so he would give us free Taco Bell, especially if we were witnessing to somebody or talking with someone or counseling somebody. He would always let us come down, get some Taco Bell, talk and whatever. And we led a lot of people to Christ right there in the mall. Uh, then we went to the back of the mall, which faced the Wilton Mall, the newer Wilton Mall, which is probably still there, I would imagine. And um, there was a big fabric store that we took over there, which was a larger venue and a big glass uh, windows in the back. It was, it was the most beautiful sight that we met in the mall. As you can tell, I really liked it. And we had our offices in there and also had, and my biggest memory there was having a, an Easter Sunday where we had over 500 people and the Continental Singers came and sang and, and helped us with worship uh, that Sunday. So just really enjoyed that. And then we moved from there to what was the old James Wade space and took over half of that. And it was funny because on the other half of it was a flea market. So they would come in on Sunday morning while we were having worship and start setting up the flea market. And there wasn't much of a sound barrier between us and the flea market, so that got interesting some Sunday. Another big memory was doing all the free car washes at the Walmart there off of exit 15. 
and we would offer free car washes and we say we're doing this to show God's love in a practical way. I think one of the Saturdays we washed close to 300 cars in about four hours. We had quite the assembly line going, but it touched a lot of people with God's love. So keep touching Saratoga Springs with God's love and show people that New Life Fellowships is more than brick and mortar. It's people who love people and point people to Jesus Christ. God bless you guys on your birthday. Hey, New Life Fellowship, this is Bo Sanders, and I wanted to say happy birthday. I can't believe 19 years ago, I moved out from Redding, California after I graduated college to become the assistant pastor with Pastor Joel in the mall. And uh, through all those wild years where we rented the gymnasium over at Light and Life, and, uh, and then we ended up building our own building, and we had the season of Jubilee and renewal. Oh man, that was a wild decade. And so I just wanted to say happy birthday, and I am so, so happy uh, for the time that I spent with you, and I pray for God's blessing for you very regularly. And uh, I love to hear the updates. Hey, my name is Mark Forsyth, and I was the pastor at New Life for six and a half years. It was a real privilege to be able to serve the community and the church people. And I want to thank you for inviting me back for these brief moments just to say hi and uh, to congratulate you on such a great, great and awesome occasion. I just want you to know that as I, as well as the other pastors at New Life, and I could probably speak for all of us to say that we understand what Paul wrote to the Corinthians when Paul said, I may have planted a seed, but Apollos watered, and it was God who gave the increase. The thing I love so much about New Life Fellowship is that it's always been about God. It's always been a God thing. It's never been a man thing. It's never been man's idea or man's personality that's driven what is behind and what is New Life Fellowship, but it's been about God. And I want to encourage you to keep that as the main focus of everything you are and everything you do. Now, one of the things I so highly remember is that when Jesus told us to be the light, said, you are the light of the world. Remember that? Jesus didn't say, look, you should be the light, or maybe you will be the light, or maybe you could be the light. No, he said, be the light. In other words, Jesus was saying, I don't have a plan B. You are it. You're plan A, and there is no other to reach your community. And that's exactly what you've been doing for the past 20 years. So today is a day to celebrate, to remember all that God has done, all that God will do in the future yet to come. So let this be a great occasion for everybody. My prayer, my hope, is that the next 20 years, we'll see God do even more incredible things as he continues to use you to expand his kingdom in the Capital District, particularly in Saratoga Springs. God bless. New Life Fellowship Church, Saratoga Springs, New York. John Stumble here, coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. It's my privilege to be president of this organization called the Christian Missionary Alliance, 130 years going now, and I'm coming to you for your 20th anniversary. Congratulations, anniversaries are something to be celebrated. Pastor Nathan, thanks for this opportunity to join your service. Sorry I can't be there in person, but I'm glad to get to do so by way of this short video clip. I want you to know that you're part of a bigger family. The Christian Missionary Alliance is 2,000 churches strong here in the United States, 22,000 strong around the world, and we're calling ourselves a Christ-centered Acts 1-8 family. What do I mean by that? Well, it's pretty simple. Christ-centered, Jesus first. We want to be about Christ our Savior, sanctifier, healer, coming King. He is our focus, He is our message, He is our life, and so it's always got to be Jesus first. Acts 1-8. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he sends us to every segment of human society. Christ-centered Acts 1-8 family. We get to do this together, team together. You see, if I were to ask you as a local church to do really well at reaching your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, and the ends of the earth, as Acts 1-8 tells us we're supposed to do, Jerusalem, the town you live in, Saratoga Springs, Judea, surrounding area, upstate New York, Samaria, people who live close to you who are not like you, and all the way to the farthest reaches of the planet, if you alone were trying to be strong at doing all those things well, that would be a heavy burden that I'd be placing upon you. 
But when I ask you to join together with 2,000 other churches here in the States to reach your Jerusalem, your Judea, partnering together with the Northeastern District, David Lynn, your superintendent, and having strong church planting and regional kind of ministry, Samaria, increasing impact that the Alliance is having with people on the move as the world is in this state of upheaval. So many people groups transitioning from one location to the other. And a 130-year proven strategy of taking the gospel to the furthest reach of the world. When I'm asking you to join together with the Alliance family, now I'm asking you to do something achievable. So as you look ahead to the next 20 years of ministry, I'm, I'm asking you to consider what are those kinds of ways that you could be more teamed to take the gospel to the furthest reach of the world without doing a leapfrog over your own town or region or Samaria. So that's where part of this Grace Center 9-18 family, and you've been doing it there in Saratoga Springs winning people to Christ, uh, baptizing and discipling. And I want to encourage you that it matters. It matters that you stay strong as a local church. It matters that you keep upholding the Word of God as, as, as a, the authoritative Word given to us in, in, in this time for us to live the life that Christ has called us to live. It matters that you be the kind of people who demonstrate the gospel with your lives, not just verbalizing with your lips, but living it out with lives of holiness and compassion for the people around you. So as you're looking ahead to the years to come, I'm cheering you on from Colorado Springs and saying, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. So do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. God's peace to you, and happy anniversary. Can you see what God has done here over the last 20 years? Right down to car washes. When we first started, we, had, we did that again in Love, Saratoga. We didn't even remember that we had done it uh, when we first were planted. But Corey uh, had that vision of having that car wash here at the church. But we've always been a church that's been characterized by seeking after God upward. It always starts with him living in the grace and love of God that David talked about. Let's him transform us inwardly, that we are new creations in Christ who love differently than the world, who love like Jesus loved. We do not flaunt uh, our position in Christ or anything else about the accident of where we, where, we, uh, where we stand in this world. Not an accident, of course, but God knew. But uh, we don't consider our privilege to be used to our own advantage. We make ourselves nothing like Jesus and serve our community in that love uh, in the grace of Jesus. And then we go outward, uh, touching the community with the love of Jesus. We're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep reaching out. We're going to keep seeking hard after God as a body in our small groups, in our worship services on the weekends, uh, in, in just uh, in, our, in our Bible studies, in our, in our community, in our fellowship. We're going to keep seeking hard after God. We're going to keep on allowing him to work in our hearts, and we're going to keep on reaching our city, Saratoga Springs, with the gospel and love of Jesus Christ, our region, the capital district, our state, our country, and to the world. This is what it means to be a Christ-centered, excellent community, um, loving and serving like Jesus did. Every person in that love and grace of Jesus Christ. Um, there's no shortcut. There's no way, other way around it. Upward, inward, outward. Uh, I'd like to invite the worship team forward. Uh, we're going to close with a song that's very near and dear to my heart that Roland Clark wrote in 2001 called Wind of God. And this is a song that really characterizes uh, just, just the way that God has worked here. Uh, it's based on that passage from Ezekiel 37 where uh, he, t he says, can these dry bones live? And, and uh it's the idea of God's spirit animating us and giving us that life uh, so that we can uh, continue to serve our community and each other in Christ's love. Let's stand together and sing this one out.
our prayer this morning. Wind of God, come and blow. Breathe new life into these dry bones. May your words become our ways, oh church that is ever reliant and animated by the work of your Holy Spirit, that loves well, that connects with you, and is transformed by you, and reaches our community and the world with the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, will you please continue to do your work in us that you've done all these years. We give you honor and praise for everything that you've done. Each of our lives, Lord, has been transformed and touched by what you've done in this place, and we're so thankful for your great faithfulness, your loving kindness and your patience with us, and your grace. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are launching our small groups next Sunday. Uh, we are going through this book called Awakening. It's, it's, a, it's a doozy. But we have a bunch of groups, sign-ups in the lobby, and books for sale. Uh, this is going to be a season of seeking hard after God and connecting to him as a church, uh, culminating in... Uh, Dr. Martin Sanders, Dr. Rob Reimer are coming December 8th through 10th for a Holy Spirit weekend. There's going to be a big event here. And so I encourage you to sign up for a small group. Sign up for the Contagious Christian class that, that Corey is starting to teach next week uh, on the Welcome Center. These are just all different ways to plug into the work that God is already doing in this body. Uh, so we just encourage you to be a part of it. And uh, we also 
are happy to announce we have a huge meal outside underneath the tents over here. So in just a few minutes, we'll be having some pulled pork. We'll be having some uh, some corn. And Ed Kobleski and Roseanne have been doing an amazing work uh, taking care of us in that department, so you know it's going to be good. But we're so happy that you came. God bless you guys. We love you so much. Let's continue to fellowship and share stories and love with one another in community. Amen? You are dispersed. Go and be the church.